Welcome to the Honest EP podcast. We are the podcast for health professionals and the wider community looking to explore diverse ideas in health, ask some hard questions, and have some honest conversations. My name is Archie. I'm an EP based on Sydney's Northern Beaches, and joining me as always is allied health business owner, Andrew. Andrew, how are you? Very well. Archie, how are you? Very well, thank you. We have another guest on the podcast. Our guest's name is Hannah. And we are now opening Hannah's beers that she brought. Hannah, what are we drinking? I have no idea. Because <laughs> you both asked me to get the weirdest beers I could find. Yes. So at the moment, we're drinking a grapefruit IPA. Um, and then cool. after that, we're going to drink a pickle beer. It's like cucumber, dill, pickle, sour, infused beer. Holy shit, this is strong, hey. I don't, yeah, I'm not sure that I made a good choice, but oh. it's done now. 5.7% alcohol. Um, I'm glad I don't have to drive like five minutes to get home after this one. Initial thoughts? It's strong. Yeah. It's, it's, it, I can't really taste the grapefruit though. No. Maybe the, the immense alcohol content is reducing the grapefruitiness. But anyway, it's yeah. interesting. Maybe yeah. the grapes are like, the grapefruit is almost giving it like a wine alcohol content. <laughs> <laughs> Just doubling it. Jeez. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at the pickle beer and that looks inviting. Um, but in terms of like the logo on this one, they've gone very kind of mellow, noir kind of black and white look. Apparently you got it from a very, very fancy bottle in Manly. Yeah. Like a... They only sell craft beer kind of mm. kind of bottle shop. And he recommended these two as weird but good. Okay. And I'm not sure about this first one. But. All right, we'll push through. We'll see how you go. Um, well, Hannah, we want to have you on because you've got quite an interesting story. Um, so I thought we'd start by just letting you tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I work at the same clinic mm. as the both of you as an exercise physiologist, uh, but a few months ago I had been having a pain in my knee for quite a while and I found out what it was and it wasn't best case scenario. Uh, it's a type of bone cancer called osteosarcoma. So I have a tumour in my distal right femur and I had to start treatment about three months ago um, and I'm lucky enough that I have a really nice work team and they've let me keep working but obviously my job has shifted um, to more kind of a work from home structure because I'm in hospitals so often it's not really that plausible for me to see clients. Um, so at the moment I'm going through, I just finished two cycles of chemo, so 10 weeks of chemo, and I have a surgery to have a distal femoral replacement next Saturday and then i got to do four more rounds, so 20 more weeks of chemo. And then... Hopefully, I'll be able to do my job again normally <laughs> <laughs> and go back to a little bit of normality. Jesus. There you go. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. So, You're welcome. So. <laughs> I can't believe that was one sentence. Mm. <laughs> it's the yeah. short version, but yeah. There's a lot, um, a lot, a lot of things that I didn't consider that I have to do now and mm. had to do in the last couple of months, so... Mm. You guys thought it would be fun to ask me some questions about it, and I'm very happy to be very open and honest about all the weird 
procedures and conversations and things that I've had to do. Which is so cool because not I, I feel like you don't often get the opportunity to ask people who are going through cancer treatment the stuff you really want to know because you're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to intrude. Yeah. I don't want to offend them. I don't know, this feels really out of place. Is it appropriate to Yeah, is it inappropriate to ask that? Those kind of questions. Um, so it's so cool that we can sit here and have a beer and then use you as a representative. Not, not, <laughs> not of, you know, just... Cancer. <laughs> not of cancer, but as a representative of someone going through the process um, to kind of give your view and answer openly and honestly, which I think is really cool. And then uh, we also wanted to go through... Uh, you had some questions and some stuff to talk about uh, with Andrew as well because as a business owner we thought it would be interesting to talk about what it's like having an employee come to you and go hey I have this you know really horrible disease um, and just kind of working that through about what that means yeah. employment wise and that kind of thing yeah totally mm. there's no textbook way to deal with this or this news no. as like someone receiving the news and me then giving it to everyone else and there's people that handled it really well and there's people that handled it strangely mm. <laughs> but um yeah it's interesting because it's a complete reality shift in like every single paradigm of my life and so it's cool to talk about it in a health space context as well totally really cool well i thought we'd start with you kind of laying out some dot points for us on this, the stuff that uh, you can't ask someone or how would you put it? I will answer the hard question of what is not a good response yes. to someone saying if I tell you that I have cancer yeah, or if someone there. wants to offer condolences what's a nice way to do that what's a not nice way to do it? Yeah. Um, and this is very personal, obviously, because, I mean, getting any message is going to be responded to differently based on, like, your personality type, regardless of whatever disease you have or don't have. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people would love to receive these condolences, but mm. for me... <laughs> No. Um, so I think it's always nice to get a message and it's always nice to have someone say that they're thinking about you um, and that will generally always be well received so don't not send someone a message if you're thinking about them I think it's a nice thing to do but there's been some ones that I didn't love I've had a few people say um, that they'll pray for me which as a non-religious person and I've never been religious mm that kind of comes with a bit condescending to me and I know that's not the intention but as someone that's not religious I kind of interpret that as like I almost deserve this in a way yeah, like it's part of God's God. plan yeah sorry it's happened to you but mm. I don't know don't you like mentioned that. this one to me it's like you don't want the oh there's there's a reason for everything mm. it's kind of a kick in the nuts like the reason sucks <laughs> and I guess <laughs> this is his plan I don't like it <laughs> oh that hurts yeah. yeah. Mm. Yes. So, don't love that one. Um, another one that I don't love that is probably one of the most common things that I get when I tell people because it's hard not to tell people now that I have no hair. <laughs> um, is 
people tell me about anyone and everyone they know that's ever had cancer and it's normally like a great aunt that had breast cancer 30 years Mm. ago and that is nice but it just always ends a bit awkward because I end up consoling them about the person that they're talking about and no one's diagnosis is ever going to be exactly the same and their pathway is ever going to be the same and it's just a bit uncomfortable sometimes it's nice and I see where they're coming from but it is a bit exhausting because everyone says that to me and it's always everyone knows someone that's been impacted by cancer so it's just constant (laughs) doesn't need to be like a rush to relate yeah like oh you know I kind of know what you're going through it's yeah. Like, no, yeah. Don't. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And it's kind of nice talking about something different. You know, people that come and just kind of chat about what they're doing or tell me a funny story or something. It's actually a bit refreshing these days rather than me having to have the same conversation again. Yeah. Totally. But having said that, like practical advice is really nice. Like if someone actually has the same sur- has had the same surgery that I'm about to have or something like that, that I would like to talk about but I've already kind of sought out those people yeah so, right yeah I don't know you can probably trust the person with the condition that they're going to want to look into it yeah yeah <laughs> you hope <laughs> yeah is there any other shit that um you well just for just for us um for other people who you know as you said everyone knows someone is impacted by cancer is there generally some stuff that you think that um, you just shouldn't ask someone with cancer or shouldn't say to someone with cancer I think for again for me mm. um, I find it a pretty annoying when people kind of give me their two cents and they're not uncle I have a big team of people mm. managing this that have a lot of experience and you know degrees and doctorates mm. in what they're doing um, so when people tell me to like go on a juice cleanse or <laughs> change my diet or judge me for having a beer, it's like I'm putting straight poison into my body. A beer is not going to tip me over there. It's like I I still think it's well intended, but piss off. <laughs> like <laughs> I think that's really annoying. Yeah, yeah. You don't want judgment from like hey, yeah yeah. It's my own body. Yeah, and like. I do get some odd looks from people when I'm out at a bar or something with friends like oh should you be here and there is that added complexity of we're in a pandemic at the moment mm. so maybe not but that's not the advice I've been given my, my oncologist and I just think like let me let me live when I'm out of hospital <laughs> please let me enjoy my time <laughs> let me live <laughs> random drunk guy at the pub <laughs> come on give me a break oh dear much rather be drinking it grapefruit IPA yeah (laughs) well we wanted to um, with your permission which you have given uh, ask you some questions that you generally just can't ask someone with cancer because it's either too awkward or it's just inappropriate that kind of thing Um, Mm -hmm. Andrew did you have a question that you would like to ask Hannah off the bat about anything. About anything. So you're a young person. I am a young person. Thank you for noticing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for noticing. 
what would be some of your advice for for a young person that got a similar diagnosis to you? I think advice that I would give to someone that received a diagnosis that was completely out of the blue and was young and had this big treatment journey ahead of them is it's okay to kind of process it in whatever way you do. I think I felt like I received a lot of judgment at the beginning. People thinking that I wasn't processing it and I was avoiding it and I wasn't handling it and it like there's no way that I could be this okay and keep doing things and living my life and going outside and swimming and exercising and coming to work. But for me, I just couldn't fathom just stopping and what do I do? Just sit at home and stare at the wall and think about how (laughs) I have this awful diagnosis. Like I just couldn't do that. I feel sad about it. Yeah, I did. And I felt really scared and really like worried and did have those moments. But then I'm not the kind of person that can just kind of dwell on that all day. Um, And when uh, I'm not sure, but the hospital I'm being treated at is amazing. And they kind of check in with you in lots of different aspects of your life, not just yet like physical health and the psychologist came to see me after my second round of chemo and just told me it's totally okay to be okay people are like that's fine and I kind of that was the first time that I was like oh I'm allowed to not feel (laughs) awful all the time so I think maybe talking to someone a bit earlier and having that reassurance that whatever way you're processing this in is okay because I almost felt like I should just be crying 100% of the time until she said no that's fine you don't have to do that (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah I don't know I think honestly just handle it however you want to don't let anyone tell you that you should be handling it a different way like if you're proactive and you want to go research it do that if you want to ignore it and just go surfing every day do that I don't know (laughs) but yeah I think just don't feel like you need to grieve in the way that other people expect you to would be my only advice (laughs) grieve's an interesting word there well I guess grieve the the life that you are losing like there's no way as much as I tried to fight it there is no way to keep all aspects of your life normal or what it was before like you are losing you're stripped of your independence like I'm in hospital all the time I lost you lose your hair like I'm losing half my leg I'm losing like my capacity when I'm in chemo cycles to be able to do things that I want to do like I'm too sick I'm throwing up I can't go and go swimming or jump in the ocean or see my friends for those days like you lose a lot so there is part of you that has to kind of accept that and I guess deal with that and I think often that does come from what I've heard from a lot of people um sometimes that kind of comes after you finish treatment because you go through so much and you literally are told that you're nearly gonna die and then it finishes and then you kind of go back to normal life and it's like holy shit I nearly died how do I deal with that so yeah, I don't know. I, mm. I don't know if it grieves the right word, but... No, I think that makes sense. I think it's, it's, it was just an interesting use of word there because, like you said, people go through it in, in different ways. They kind of manage it in different ways. Some people yeah. pretend like it doesn't exist and try to truck on and some 
go go <laughs> yeah, very like seriously this is my entire life now and mm. i am going to retreat from society and, and manage this mm. and i think like you said at the beginning you know there's probably no right or wrong way of managing it it's just understanding like from from a third party from being a, a bystander to this understanding that there is no right way mm. to manage this yeah. to, to be able to support someone through that you kind of communicate with them and see the way that they yeah i think that's the best way and i think a lot of that is probably more just knowing someone's personality mm. like i imagine I, that personality test that we did at the retreat i imagine if you were diagnosed <laughs> you would handle it in almost the exact same way but just fine though because then i remember when you told the whole team and there are some people that were grieving like they were the one that, you know, yeah. had cancer. And, and when I told like, people initially... Guys, I'm fine. <laughs> it was like, I'm, okay, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so maybe let's pause on that for a sec. So when you told people, right? So can you reflect on how different people responded to you? Mm. And yeah. what was helpful in, and what was not so helpful in that, like, I've just told you I had cancer. Right? The initial mm. telling of everyone. Um, yeah, it was weird because I so when I found out I had an MRI um they called me back in that night and they were like mm, this is not <laughs> meniscal damage I was worried that I was not going to be able to go snowboarding <laughs> in New Z- I was like oh I can't afford a meniscal repair I'm going to go snowboarding they're like it's a bit worse than that um and then I had a week where I didn't I had to spend that entire week in scanners working out um, if it was everywhere in my body, if it was localized to my leg, what it was. They couldn't tell me my likelihood of surviving it because they had, I had no idea. They had no idea if it was, it could have been everywhere. So that week was terrifying. Um, and I didn't want to tell anyone till I knew. And I also, my dad had only been diagnosed with cancer um, like six weeks prior. Um, and my mom was quite stressed about that. I just couldn't have any more stress to anyone. And I knew that when I told people, they would have a million questions and I wanted to be able to answer those questions before I told people. Mm. Um, so by the time I did tell people, I'd kind of come to terms with it and knew and it was better than I thought. It was really localized. So I was really okay with it. And so I was telling everyone, called all of my friends individually, and they're all sobbing. And I'm like, it's okay, don't worry. Consoling them. Yeah. Like, if there's anything I can do, I'm like, yeah, shave your head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, anything. Oh, sorry, what? Um, yeah, and then um, you knew, so Andrew, Andrew knew, and Lauren, my manager, knew, because I obviously had to take a yeah. whole week Not off. Not going to be at work this week. Yeah. Why? Uh, Meniscus. Meniscus, yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people thought I had COVID because I just did it. <laughs> oh, completely forgot. I didn't even um, think about that Yeah, but then I think most people were really upset and it was me consoling them. I think the way that you and Lauren handled it was amazing because I waited till I knew how bad it was. So I had a telehealth on the Friday and they told me that it was localized and you know, what my treatment was potentially going to look like. And if I was basically going to survive it. And, um, then I had a meeting with, um, Andrew, my boss and Laura, my manager, 
that evening and it was so nice to have someone kind of just take control of that conversation like in that week I had to mm. work I didn't know if I could work or if I could stay in my apartment or if I was gonna lose my leg or if I was going to lose absolutely everything in my life and to not have to make the decision of whether or not I keep my job or I have to take on my super out and try and find a way to survive this was so nice like I will be eternally grateful for that <laughs> tiny bit of stress relief in that week I think for me that was nice to have someone that wasn't an emotional wreck that was a little bit composed and could just actually help in a way like no one really knows how to help them but that was really helpful Andrew from your point of view what was it like for you when Hannah caught, did you call Andrew I called Lauren I okay. called Lauren after my manager after I um, got out of the GP appointment where he said yeah, yeah not not minuscule uh, very bad <laughs> um, <laughs> worse than that and I just said I have to take the rest of the week off and she mm. was like oh what's wrong and I just burst into tears and told her mm. and um, so she really caught the brunt of it um, and then she asked if it was okay if she could tell Andrew mm. and um, and then I think you sent me a message the next day mm. and then it was just kind of me going through scans till the rest of the week and then I yeah. met with them. Hmm. What was it like for you, Andrew, finding out and kind of those initial, that initial processing of, fuck, this wasn't, we didn't go through this in Clinic Mastery. <laughs> um, this isn't in the HQ anywhere that I can look up. Oh. Uh, what's the policy on when an employee asks you um, what to do when they have cancer? Um, oh, how did man. you process that? I cried. Like, I sat in... in this room and cry with Lauren like and that was just like overwhelmed right I, I fit young healthy EP like what 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 are you doing getting cancer like that's just ridiculous what are you doing I know, I know. but that was that was just the the acute reaction it was just like overwhelm I don't know how to to even comprehend that and then, you know, the, the very quick reflection is, okay, well, if I'm feeling this, how the fuck is Hannah feeling? Because this must just be brutal. And this was obviously at the stage where we didn't know specifics in terms of treatment plans or percentages of success or anything like that. So um, that was interesting. Interesting. Um, but, but very quickly it was just, and this was conversations that we had with Lauren straight away, is like, well, what can we do to support her? Mm. Uh, not knowing what the future was going to look like, like that, that mattered less. It was more about what we could do now mm. to support her. Mm. That's really interesting. And I, I guess it was super useful for you not having to just do it by yourself, but having another person in the room, having Lauren in the room to, you could, you know, not, don't want to use a G word, the grieve word, um, <laughs> but, you know, do that and then go, okay, sorry, what, what can we do? Let's, let's, you know, what are the next steps? Well, I, I, I think grief might like come into that because, Definitely. you know, when, when somebody 
tells you something like this like you start to question your own mortality and you start to question like yeah. I just better double check the old life insurance and make sure that if yeah. I kick the bucket that my wife isn't left you know mm. out in the rain mm. but um, yeah it was it was hard but but we knew that the type of personality that Hannah is she's a strong mm. person and she will come at this directly bald head first bald head mm. first aerodynamically first <laughs> And one good leg to stand on. One good leg. And we just we just wanted to support her with that. So that was the main thing. Hannah, do you? I, this is kind of a unique opportunity, um, and I know that you both agreed to be very open about it. Um, do you have any questions or things you'd like to ask Andrew? Um. Yeah, I I kind of I think. Like in that initial week, obviously I wasn't sleeping much and my head was completely scrambled and I was trying to work out if I just couldn't see any way that I went to that meeting and I kind of kept my job. Like I just became completely useless as an EP like that. (laughs) So there's just like, I just was trying to find a way that maybe I could help out. And I think having that certainty you coming in and just kind of telling me this is what we're going to do don't worry about this I'll take care of this was just so so helpful but yeah I just don't know I can't even imagine how hard it is to have an employee become completely useless and then really work out how to keep them like was there any kind of I don't know hesitation to don't don't take me now. But it's a bit fucking like now. Yeah, I don't know. Just feel like, oh, maybe you should just ha- handle this and just go and do that. Don't check the letterbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the letter must have got lost. <laughs> yeah, she's still coming. <laughs> no, like there was no hesitation at all. Um, you know, you, you, you kind of run through a few scenarios in your head. Like, once the, the dust settled on the acuteness of the situation, um, you know, I, I talked with my wife about it and we're like, you come at it from different perspectives, I think. Mm. So, one perspective was, well, if this was my kid, right, mm. if this was my child, how would I want that person to be supported going through what will probably be one of the shittest experiences in their life? And to provide some degree of certainty through that was important. I think we, we're, we're fortunate enough to have a, an amazing team here that actually gives a shit about other people. Um, and we, we express that through the way that we give back to the local communities and and that sort of thing and so to not help in that time when somebody needed it the most would have just been totally against everything that we stand for and I couldn't front up to a group of people and say hey we've got all these values and we do all that thing mm. and then totally leave you out in the rain with something that was brutal so that was kind of from a business perspective that we we wanted to help um i remember that that meeting 
um, at the Freshwater Clinic where we, you, me and Lauren had that discussion and we were talking about um, how the team might want to help. And yeah. one of the things that we talked about yeah. was like how to manage that because it could be like 20 people all coming at you with... We didn't want to fill your fridge with lasagna yeah. <laughs> the first week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there are other ways that people could help as well, but we didn't really venture down that path because I think you, you sort of didn't want to be the charity case. Yeah. Yeah, actually, there was something else in that meeting that I think you did really, really well. Like, this would be another thing that I would say how you can help someone if they've come to you with an initial diagnosis and maybe you know a lot of people in that if there's someone really close to you and you know their social circle or their their work or whatever you asked me how I wanted to tell people and the Mm. fact that I'd kind of kept didn't tell anyone for that whole week and I don't know I think there was an element of that that it was one of the last things in my life that I had control over like mm. doctors were just chopping bits out of me left, right and centre and I was mm. in scanners and I was having blood taken on me. Like I lost most of my independence in that week and it was the way that I could tell people was really important to me and you let me decide how to do that. So we had a half hour meeting on a Monday morning and I just told everyone I had to sign off. But that's how I wanted to do it and like I'm really grateful that I was able to do that because it is exhausting Mm. telling everyone the same story and then you get so used to it that I'm kind of desensitized to it and I kind of have the script and everyone's sobbing and Mm. patting them on the back so it is nice to just be able to kind of bulk email (laughs) yeah legit legit seriously I think you did it really really well I think we um did it well in a way that it was like hey I'm gonna tell you now um and you know, please, I'm going to try and answer as many of the questions that I know you have now so that you don't have to bombard me with all of the questions that you will hold out individually, which are probably 95% of the same questions that you've been asked. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I'll answer the rest of them now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then we have a beer and we answer them on the podcast so that any time you want someone to know... You just go, sorry, refer to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and then little by little, the views go up, the downloads go up, and we become famous because we had Hannah on the podcast. Oh, That's right. <laughs> by the way, guys, um, thank you for sharing that, both of you. Um, but I've opened my pickle beer. Uh, just thought I'd let everyone know. How's that working out for you? It's less strong than the, the grapefruit IPA. Uh, there are lots of very cute little pickles on it. I don't know if you've noticed this, but they're so cute. Very nice. Um, and the beer itself, I've never had a sour beer before. Is it? Oh, is it actually sour? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, cucumber, dill, pickle, sour. So sour beer is apparently like quite a big thing and we're going to look like idiots for going, you don't know what sour beers are. <laughs> um, but yeah, apparently they're quite popular. I've never actually had one before. It just kind of tastes like someone's put like five lime slices into it. Oh, I don't hate that. Yeah, I don't hate it. I think it's hard to give an independent review of it after coming from something that's just really strong. (laughs) (laughs) Like the IPA though. Um, But yeah, Andrew, initial Mm. thoughts? Wow, it... it... Looks like you're about to cry. (laughs) (laughs) 
You've mm. had your one crisis. It is. It, it, it was literally like five slices of lime in a sip of beer. Right. Wow. I don't know if that's a good thing. I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah. Anyway. I, I, look, I think it's a great follow-up from a really strong mm. IPA. Is they've just kind of shoved, you know, fresh sourness down your throat. And it's like, Phew, okay, yeah, no. Nah. It like gets the alcohol taste out of your mouth. Which is nice. I like that. Um, Hannah, we wanted to ask you uh, on the podcast some things that you cannot ask someone with cancer. You cannot ask someone. So things that are like someone tells you, oh, you know, I'm going through cancer. Um, and they go, oh, damn, God, this is like really, really good question. I want to ask them. Okay. Um, but I can't ask them because it's not... Not it's inappropriate. It's inappropriate, right? Yeah? Yep. Cool. No boundaries here. No, no boundaries. <laughs> no boundaries. Um, cancer, generally speaking, is more common in people like over the age of 50, which means like when you're at chemo... When you're at your chemo, chemo thing, um, you, you're most likely one of the only people like below the age of 30... Mm. Does that suck? Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Um, there are a few other... So the hospital that I'm being treated at is the Sarcoma Hospital. So... Um, Chris O'Brien Chris O'Brien Lifehouse. Yeah. So I am aware of a few others. Um, I think they're all boys from what I've heard. Mm-hmm. But I think there's only maybe four or five others. And I can't actually know who they are because... Kind of confidentiality. Yeah. Um... So sometimes I just walk around and I stick my head in rooms and I look for young people. (laughs) (laughs) I'm such a menace. (laughs) I know. Um, Hey, it's me. You know what I Well, I befriended all the nurses and the doctors are all super lovely. Um, Nurses love a chat. I'll tell you what, they must love you because like working in a cancer ward as a nurse would be a pretty kind of, you know, morbid area to be in. So having someone bubbly and nice to talk to you must be wonderful yeah well I'm not bubbly and nice 100% of the time like when I'm throwing up I'm not in the mood for a concert (laughs) (laughs) but yeah the one of the types of chemo that I'm on I have to be in it's called methotrexate and um I have to be in until my levels clear like the level of methotrexate in my blood gets low enough that I can go home so I only get the chemo on day one and then I normally have to stay about four days after that just Mm. hooked up to IV fluids Mm. 24-7 so that is just boring like (laughs) everyone is so old and because of COVID um, there's all these facilities in Chris O'Brien that aren't open Mm. Um, so I normally just wander around I found like where the nurses go for lunch and I sneak in there (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then because I don't have a fob to get back in now I have some of their numbers because I get locked outside Um, and then yeah I can go downstairs and I I have my laptop and I do some work and I try and keep myself busy but it is boring yeah it's very boring Mm -hmm. That's fair. What's it like going bald? Mm. Uh, it's quite liberating. It's a bit cold. Swimming <laughs> is cold. I get brain freezes. You've got good beanies. Though. You have good beanies. Thank you. How, okay. How many beanies do you have? Uh, not that many. I have I have three or four. Okay. But the ones that I like are a bit 
too tight and they're giving me headaches. So I think now I need to go for men's beanies. <laughs> um, yeah, it's... Uh, I don't know. I think there was so much else going on in my life at that point. My hair started falling out and there was other stuff going on that week so I was like I'll do this later <laughs> um, but yeah it was weird like it really I brushed my hair and it was like more hair was coming out in the hairbrush than was wow. like left where I was brushing it oh, it was shit. really was kind of almost a bit satisfying if it wasn't is it like peeling skin off with like dead skin uh no okay. <laughs> 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 how do you hair is it <laughs> What? Oh, do you mean the satisfying aspect? Yeah, the no shit. Oh. I thought you meant obviously no, peeling no, 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 like scalp. the satisfying aspect of like, oh, I'm like peeling part of my body off, but like, it's really oh, okay. Yeah, 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 no, I know. <laughs> I, I know what you mean. I feel mean, like yeah. I just opened up part of my own life that nobody else experiences. <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean. Dead skin, you know, when you like peel dead skin off. Yeah, okay. Somewhere. I thought you meant you thought that no, I was just peeling parts yeah. of my scalp. No, um, <laughs> it was yeah, really odd. Um, but it was quite fun. My friends made it really fun. So mm-hmm. 16 of my friends have also shaved their heads. Um, we received some money. It was a really fun day. They turned something that probably would have been really sad mm-hmm. into something that was like really funny time. Everyone's telling me it was going to be super liberating to shave your head and because your hair is such a big part of your identity and all that. But I did a bowl cut first. So it yeah. was not it was as great. liberating <laughs> as you would think. It was it's the best photo of all. <laughs> Putting a razor to a bowl cut. It was... Um, I was, I was ready to say bye to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. Um, on that one, how much of a difference did it make having other people shave their head with you? Um, oh, it was... I mean, it's, it's amazing now because when we go out, the anyone would normally make a comment and say, oh, wow, like, you look great with bald head mm. um, to one of my friends and then kind of see the next view and then see the next view and then see me and be like, what happened to you guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> Something has gone on. What went crazy. Um, but no, it was... I, I, I cannot fault my friends. They've been incredible and they've just been so helpful in such a like, tangible way. Like, every time I say... I need something or I just mention anything like mm. all of them are there and they're so brave like I actually don't know if I would shave my head off if my friend did it like they just none of them hesitated and they're just amazing I'm gonna come clean you, you dropped it on me and I said no yeah I know and, 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 I, and your name is Archibald I know I get it alright <laughs> and I just donated like a bunch of money to <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'll do instead I'll watch from the sideline thanks guys and I'm a dude my hair's only with that long like I get yeah. a four on the sides and the back anyway, so it was like, wouldn't it have made that much of a difference? No, it was it was really really nice, but um, yeah, I do think it. Um, I do feel like people should do it. It's quite liberating because I've always <laughs> been, except for the bowl cut, not liberating. Don't do that. But um, so it is liberating. Well, yeah, I don't know. I think I've. You lose so much of your identity. Well, I have anyway, because I identify as a really energetic, outdoorsy, Mm. like, spends my life exercising, Mm. and I've always been the tall girl with blonde hair, Mm. and now I'm bald, and I can't do a lot of those things, but I still have all of the people in my life, Mm. and I think that's quite, I don't 
no, there's something really nice about that. Yeah, like, I'm cool. still me, even though now I look a bit like Lord Voldemort. It's <laughs> <laughs> one of the best, like, bad guys of all time. Yeah. So, not a bad one to look like. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you an EP question now. Mm-hmm. So, you are an EP. I am. In going through this experience, how do you think this is going to change the way that you interact or or treat your patients or your clients in the future? It's a really good question. Will would it? Maybe mm. we start there. Mm. Would it change? I think it will. I don't think you can go through something this big and not change as a person and change the way that you maybe interact with other people or empathize with other people. Um, I don't know. I still don't think that I will kind of niche down that cancer route afterwards. I don't know, but maybe I've still got a way to go. But I guess I'll be able to relate to people that have had knee replacements a lot more. That's an interesting one. <laughs> um, but I think I... Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I haven't really thought about that. I think also maybe having, I guess, it's, it's not a chronic disease, but I'm going through such intense treatment, I'll have a lot more sympathy for people that have chronic conditions and have to think about their health and have it so front of mind all the time in a different light. But I don't know, I hadn't thought about that before. Uh, an interesting one came up, which was like soon after you had your diagnosis and it was kind of that initial thing when you were still seeing some clients and it was like how are clients going to respond to um, their EP their health professionals saying hey I've basically got a diagnosis that is much worse than yours is um, mm. but still tell me about your problems because I need to know because I'm your healthcare professional have I mean in telling people you've been talking to clients and that sort of thing but do you think that will come into account like when you go back to seeing clients no I remember saying this to you initially Mm. like when I was still seeing my full client base and we were hiring someone to take over my clients and yeah I remember saying to you that I was struggling Mm. to tell people because they then were saying oh my gosh you're helping me rehab this like three out of ten shoulder pain and you're telling me you have a broken femur that I can't, I can't tell you about my problems anymore. I'm like, this is 100% of my job. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you can't Please. talk to me about what's going on, then I can't help you. Like, everything is relative. Mm. Um, so, yeah, hopefully I won't look so much like a patient and people will be able to talk to me like an EP again mm. afterwards. Um but yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Sure. I don't think I can answer how I will. No, that's true. Talk to. I don't know. I, I can't gonna, tell you how different. It's I'm probably going to happen fluidly. Like, mm. you just kind of respond to people as they respond. Yeah. And then work from there, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think I. Yeah, I think everyone's situation is completely mm. different, and just because I go through lymph salvage surgery and it's. Mm going to be very painful and very intense doesn't mm. mean that whatever anyone else is going through isn't that's it's all exactly. relative right um, yeah. yeah it's just like helping the clients understand that this is relative you know yeah it's like you do not need to like 
compare, you know, problems and injuries and that kind of stuff. Maybe yeah. we just like put a sign on you saying, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> and go from there. Yeah. Just wait. Make sure no one sees my scar and then. <laughs> <laughs> do you have another one? Because um, I do, if you do. What was the decision like for you? And I know that, like, it's not a, a, a hard decision that this is what you have to stick with for the rest of your life. But I know that you had um, to kind of make a decision recently between. Um, recently between a full amputation above knee and just getting a knee replacement plus having some of your femur replaced recently. Just having it. Um, like, yeah, like just happened. What was that like? Yeah, it, um, it was hard because they initially, all the doctors and specialists and surgeons come in and they say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do this chemo. We're going to do this. This is the best gold standard treatment. This is what we're going to offer you, and then we're going to do this surgery, and then we're going to do this, and you're going to be better, and you're going to live a long, happy life. Yeah. Um, and then when I kind of asked questions about the surgery, they, the surgical outcomes were like, I wouldn't be able to run, which is what I do, mm. <laughs> and I'd be limited to, in my knee flexion, and I'd be limited to doing a lot of activities and things that mean a lot to me. Um, and I got really quite fixated on it and really upset about it and so I went into my next surgical meet, meeting with the surgeon and I said no just chop it off I don't want to do it if I can't do things I want to do I don't want I don't want it um so I got referred to other surgeons and I think partially I was kind of channeling my lack of control of everything that was happening into just kind of researching the absolute shit out of the <laughs> surgery that was in front of me um and I still kind of struggle with it but I'm, I'm gonna do the limb salvage option mm. and I think um yeah there was just so much that's happened in the last few months my dad passed away from cancer um a couple of weeks ago um and he was diagnosed at a similar time to me and I think there's just so much going on I have a bit of almost like burnout I'm just fighting for my treatment all the time I just it's just a lot and so I'm gonna give it a go and they seem to know what's best so hopefully hopefully I like it and if not I I've done it and then in a few years I can just chop it off and have it, it, yeah ex exactly it's not like you have to make this decision now and then you can't change later it's like a five to ten year kind of you know yeah thing right yeah yeah so like it should last the knee replacement should last um i mean quite sedentary people 10 years so probably a bit less than that but if it's just giving me non-stop grief then i'll um i can chop it off go to the paralympics instead yep yeah i know that was in my initial plan i have one more question for you if you were to um say in a hypothetical world now we're, we're all hypothetical now yeah mm -hmm. say we're in a world where in five ten years time you go you know what i do want an above knee amputation i'm only asking you this because this is a completely open discussion and we have honest conversations mm -hmm. um what event would you want to train for 
in the Paralympics or to like to, to become like a great para-athlete? Um, sorry, I just took a sip of the sorry. wine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's zesty. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought about this a lot. <laughs> initially. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah. Cool. Right. Because um, I was like, to do anything where I'm like running, I have to kind of, this is how <laughs> proactive I am with things and impatient is probably a better word. Um, I was like, you know, it's going to take a long time for me to learn to walk and do everything because it's above knee amputation. It's quite tricky. So I was like, well, I can later transition into a running sport, but I was mm. like, I start with swimming. I start with uh, something <laughs> where I can just take my leg off and, mm. and go. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I'd like to do all of it. I was thinking even like triathlon. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But yeah, I swimming. I'm a, I'm a good swimmer. And that's one thing that like they encourage me to keep doing. Mm. Um, so doing it for fun but I'm also like you're competitive you're a case of surgery goes wrong I'm ready uh, for the you're competitive run. person anyway right so you get to pick up a para sport no matter what yeah yeah, yeah. so I do so potentially swimming and potentially triathlon <laughs> yeah nice yeah. With or a high side jump I don't know if I could high jump on just one leg but I was very good at high jump is, is para high jump a thing I don't think so you should make it a thing not yet <laughs> would, that, would that not depend on like how uh, much like spring oh, your your blade has? has? Yeah, yeah. Ma- yeah. yeah imagine that, that would more the like, who has the best, like the highest technology budget, <laughs> prosthetic budget? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. The US would win every time. Yeah, um, that's a fair competition. <laughs> there you go, um, Andrew. Do you have any other questions? Hannah, do you, is there anything else you want to that you can add to this? This is this is your chance to go. Sweet. Anytime anyone asks me a question, um, and I don't feel like talking about it, refer to the podcast and share with them. So, if there's anything you need to say that you never want to talk about again, this I is never. yeah. This is your chance to to say it. Um, if, if you want to have a think about it. I can it. just fire off some questions that Go. a lot of people ask me. Go. Um, okay. I had this like three times today. Is um, Do I just lose the hair on my head or do mm. I lose it on the rest of my body? Mm. Um, you lose all your hair. All my nose hairs fell up. That I was surprised by. Why I do you have eyebrows then? Everything. Yeah. Why have you got eyebrows? Yeah, they're holding on to just face at this point. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're thinning out. <laughs> And my eyelashes as Gravity. well. Uh, <laughs> Gravity. <laughs> Gravity. <laughs> I'm quite tall. Sorry, um, you mentioned your nose hairs. Yeah. Yeah, I can smell everything, which is a bit of a curse because... It's like a superpower. Um, yeah, but like not nausea good. in hospital isn't helped not, by... Not a good superpower. Uh, yeah. But yeah, no, um, you do lose all your hair. Um, what else? I think... A lot of people, because I'm young, want to know, like, if I can ever have kids. Um, and I did egg collection. This would be a lot easier if you're a boy and you're diagnosed young. You just have to ejaculate yeah. into a jar and you're done <laughs> in, like, one yeah. day. Whereas um, I did egg collection, so I was allowed to delay my treatment for two weeks. They only let you do it if it's not going to impact like how treatment's going to go, um, and I 
stab myself with like three needles a day for two weeks and then managed to get a bunch of eggs out so they're sitting in um rpa cool which is really weird you like pay rent on your your, your eggs your eggs yeah that's fucking rough it's not much there's a trust How much? Oh, there's a trust. Okay. Yeah, so That's if cool. you do it privately and you don't have a reason to do it, it's really expensive mm. to do both the process and the storage. Mm. But um, if you're diagnosed um, with something like this sure. and you're a young female, there's a trust, which is, I think, set up by the nuns, which is very ironic because you're not allowed to do it if you have never had sex. But by the way, I've never had sex before, just just in case. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. sign this for. Yeah. <laughs> um, Was that a difficult decision for you? No, that was one of the first things I asked mm. when I had my meeting. I said, I really want to have kids one day if mm. I'm going to survive this. Um, this means a lot to me. Like, can I do this? What are my options? Um, and I was given three options. And that is, like, the most common one and, like, the best one. Um, but, yeah, if that didn't work, I could have done this other option. Some people do both if they don't get a lot of eggs. I got a lot. I got a lot of kids in the well, fridge. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can do this other one where you take a you they give you a pill before you have your chemo. And it um basically induces menopause. So it shuts down your it the idea is it turns your ovaries off the women's health physio would be a lot better to ask about this. Okay. But it turns your ovaries off so the chemo hopefully doesn't kill them as much and then afterwards it comes back but you get all the side effects and i was like i'm 26 mm. i am getting Stop a knee it. replacement i'm going through chemo i don't know don't if i want to go through well. <laughs> <laughs> oh i don't know oh. um cool easy decision yeah for you yeah yeah, yeah. but it has to it's a yeah that's a weird one it has to be any decisions like that pre-starting treatment have to be made really quickly mm. like any other big event in your life people kind of tell you to take your time and think about it and talk about it with a lot of people like you don't have time I said I wanted to preserve my fertility and I spoke to a fertility doctor the next day and then two days later I was injecting myself like wow. you don't have time because if you wait then they don't let you do it because you're delaying treatment and it's mm. risking your own life mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a bit. You're just making some really big decisions all in one week, and then yeah, right. going for it. Okay, so you got some babies in the bank. That's good. Mm-hmm. Cool. Twenty-five. Twenty-five, 25 babies. <laughs> Dang. Holy shit. My boyfriend shit. was like, "That is two soccer teams." <laughs> 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 like, no. That's like a bus. Yeah. <laughs> Not even. Oh, that's the, the logistics of that. That's just. Andrew, think about what it's like to manage twenty-four employees, which is how many people work here. Oh. Think of that, but just like as your own kids. No. Yeah. You've got two no. of them, and I feel like that's enough for you, right? Two is a great number of kids. Yeah. Yeah. No more coming. Two is all I want. No, no. I'm, I'm, okay. No more. Oh, yeah. Two from 25. Should be right. Yeah. So I can start an army if I want to. There you go. Do <laughs> an <laughs> uprising. <laughs> Enable the eggs. Go. <laughs> all right. Any other questions? Any other ones uh, you want to get off? Blurt out. As you think, I'm really struggling with this beer, this pickle it's beer. So acidic. It's like I, I imagine having no nose hairs and trying to put this to your mouth is like oh, yeah, brutal. Okay, yeah, it's um yeah. I'm praying for you right now, Hannah, and your nose hairs. <laughs> oh, sorry, your lack of nose hairs. <laughs> Thank you, Archie. <laughs> You're welcome.
Yeah, I know it's um intense. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great sour face. Mm. People, I think I'll, I'll I'll ask you another question. So, I think people like to think that there might be something good that comes out of this. Is is there anything good that comes out of this? Yeah, I think. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know why anyone would choose to be an oncologist. I like, <laughs> to me, it's just seems like such a harsh job, but I'm grateful that people do because my one is amazing. He's so nice. Um, I think there's a lot of crap, but I think, I don't know. I think people are really, really good. I think I've seen, I've had a lot of like, really lovely interactions with people I've had a lot of shit in the last few months like more than I've probably ever had in my whole life and people are people are good people are really nice and I think it kind of hopefully puts into perspective what's important what's not worth stressing over and I do think I don't know, I hope I do come out of this a bit more confident as well. I think like having your whole life just kind of like tipped upside down and even the way you look and the way that you can work and you can interact with people and the relationships you have with people, like I was really concerned that everyone would kind of want to help so much and turn into that carer role. And then if people do that, like obviously people have to help. I'm very bad at accepting help and I'm trying to get better at it. But <laughs> yeah, I think I just had this almost fear that like if everyone kind of turned into like a, a carer, then when this is done, what do all those relationships turn into? But um, people are nice and people genuinely do want to help. And I think it brings out the best in a lot of people in your life. So I think there is some good. But chemo sucks. I would not recommend it. <laughs> you wouldn't recommend it? Wouldn't right. recommend it. All right, I'll cancel my booking. Then. Yeah, don't do it. <laughs> there you go. Well, I think that's some great final words to finish on. Um, I want to thank you, Hannah, for being open enough to talk about all this shit. Because uh, I, think, I think it's very rare that anyone can talk about it so openly um, and for us to actually ask you these questions is really, really cool because no one can hope to understand, you know, otherwise, right? And so it's really, really nice to actually hear someone talk about it and talk about it candidly. Oh, sorry, honestly, <laughs> because we are the honest EP. Honestly. honestly. Yeah, well, thank, thank you guys for asking me these questions and hopefully I'll have to repeat myself a little bit less. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. That would be nice. Um... If, if anyone listening has anyone that they think this would be relevant to send to, please do. Um, and we will see you very soon. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>